Today I have the second part of my interview with Brad Hoff of Continental Baptist Missions. Welcome to Run With Horses. My name is Norman and my goal is to help you thrive as a follower of Jesus. Following Jesus may lead you to some unlikely places and to do some things you weren't anticipating. That's my story and the story of many, like Brad, who take the first step of following Jesus and just keep going wherever he leads. We'll come back to that in a minute, but first, if you're listening to Run With Horses on Revelation Radio, you need to know that beginning November 4th, we have a new time and day along with some format changes. We go to the new one-hour format on Saturday, November 4th, at our new time, 6.30. So starting November, look for us at Revelation Radio every Saturday night at 6.30 for an hour-long show. For those of you who have been listening to Run With Horses on your favorite podcast player, new episodes will coincide with the radio broadcast and will be available every Saturday night beginning November 4th. Now, back to our regularly scheduled programming. We were talking before, and you got through Bible college and went to a work in a church plant mm-hmm. in Des Moines, but you said you weren't really feeling called toward church planting necessarily, so what was that turning point where you, yeah. or, or what did you do in between? Yeah. I don't know. Did you do something else first? Uh, no. Um, you know, we we re- recently heard in the last couple of days, you and I heard a, a message where the uh, speaker was... Uh, um, referring to Paul's experiences in Acts chapter 16, you right. know, mm-hmm. uh, the different places he, he attempted to go and God closed the doors. Mm-hmm. Um, and and one, of the, one of the bits of advice that he gave as he referred to that text, he said, keep moving, mm-hmm. you know. Um, after several years, uh, several years after graduation from Bible college, we're still in the area here. I'm working a job. Yeah, we're involved in the church, but I kind of felt like maybe we were uh, um, falling into a rut that we might not get out of. So I thought, you know, I need to be moving in some direction. And, uh, well, what what would I really like to do? Well... You know, I'd really like to teach on a Bible college level, and that would require seminary. Mm-hmm. So we started making plans to to go to a, a seminary. Um, about that time, uh, my wife was expecting our first child, and so kind of the plan was, okay, after the baby's born, then we can get really serious and, and start making some of these specific plans to move. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the things that was going to happen in between there was um, we had committed to go with the youth group in our church plant, and we were working as youth leaders at that point in the church plant. We had committed to go with our youth group to another church plant, another mission church in another state mm-hmm. um, to do vacation Bible schools. It could be a missions trip for our kids. And uh, um, we, uh, so I was looking at it like we need to get this out of the way, you know, so we can get on with these other plans. And we sat in that particular mission church, you know, different setting. And I looked around that Sunday morning. We were going to have VBS then starting the following day. And I looked around at the people there. And I thought, you know, I could be happy serving God in a, in a place like this, mm. in this kind of a ministry. Mm. And then it was, ah, you know, and then we, you know, went into VBS and got to know uh, not only the kids, but some of the teens and people in the church. Uh, and it, that, that, that pull just didn't go away. 
hmm, you know. Um, and so we came back from that trip a little bit conflicted, you know, but still hadn't abandoned the uh, the plans to move, go to seminary. Mm-hmm. And a couple of weeks, like no more than two weeks after that, uh, after that missions trip, um, we got word. Well, I, let me add this: the missionary pastor at that mission church was a single guy. Mm-hmm. He was bivocational. He worked in the woods as a as a lumberjack wow. during the week. He'd celebrated his 49th birthday while we were there, and he was, I mean, this guy was solid. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, physically, he was mm-hmm. really strong. So anyway, no more than two weeks after we got back from that trip, we got word that uh, uh, several other people had shown up for a prayer meeting, uh, and uh, their pastor didn't show up, so they went next door to their parsonage and found him dead. in the parsonage of a heart attack. Hmm. So now here's this mission church, this church plant without a missionary pastor, Mm -hmm. you know, and that, that was kind of added on to what was our, God was already doing in our lives. So that was, that was a part of that, uh, part of that process, just thinking very specifically the reality of here's a place of ministry where someone is needed, you know, and now we didn't end up going there, you know, but it was just the, uh, knowing that there's, that, that represents, you know, kind of the needs. A lot of places like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So So then did you go on to the seminary then? Did not go on to seminary. Instead, uh, we counseled with our pastor and, uh, and we began the application process then with Continental Baptist Missions. And uh, so a year later, we went through the interview and candidate school process and then began our deputation work with CBM. All right. What year was that? Uh, We were accepted in 1985. Yeah. So, yeah. And so I, I guess I've talked to a few people mm-hmm. and just lightly mentioned maybe on the show before, but this process of, of deputation or prefield, yeah. places call it now. Yeah. Um, how did you find that? I know some people really struggle with it. Yeah. For my wife and I, our focus was on ministering to churches. And mm-hmm. we really, it took us four and a half years to get the, mm-hmm. get the support to go to Japan. But we felt like we could have done this for a long time okay. because we yeah. were having good conversations with young people who were looking into ministry and mm-hmm. answering questions. We were able to encourage pastors who maybe mm-hmm. were isolated. We went to a lot of smaller churches. Yeah. We did that intentionally. We didn't really, personally, we, I, I think a church gets big enough that it's hard to be the church. Mm-hmm. It's hard to live out the one another's and the very, very intentional and really good at, at managing that. Right. The administration becomes very difficult. Yeah. So I've preferred smaller churches. So. We did this for a long time and really just really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. We never felt like, oh, it's just such a drudgery. But I've talked to people even recently. This, mm-hmm. It's that's so hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's going on. And, and some of them, it's only been two years. <laughs> it's like, yeah. You're just getting started. Yeah. But yeah. how did you find the process? Yeah. Well, there's definitely hard aspects of it, you yes. know, of course. Um, we wouldn't trade it for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a, it was just, it was another phase of of the education process for us you know you're in that many different churches and uh you learn you know from every one of them you learn just kind of from the experience as a whole you know we uh 
we have talked even fairly recently, my wife and I have talked fairly recently about some lessons we'd learned, you know, we, you know, in a church where, um, for, for a day of meeting, you know, we're there to present our ministry and, and they plug you in in a lot of places. You know, we were, we were just really, really busy that day, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, left at the end of the day with a relatively small honoraria check, you know. And then we were in another church where we were there like only on a Sunday evening, you know, just there, just that's all we had was part of the evening service presented our uh, our ministry and you know check the uh, the church took a a, a a love offering you know and they they sent us a, a check for five hundred dollars and something you know and and so we learned through that you know that uh, you know God really signs the checks you know he right. he, he sends the the support he he supplies our needs through this avenue and through that avenue mm-hmm. and you you know you can't really make sense out of right um out of how much comes from whom mm-hmm. but you just look at it all as god provided you know and through through each one of these and you learn you learn to be grateful genuinely grateful for for you know for for everyone every church every individual that the lord uses uh there were specific ministry um challenges you know questions that you get asked uh we were in a we were in a round robin missions conference we're in a different church every night and uh it's fun and it can become you know it's, it's kind of grueling as it well for me. <laughs> yeah. so we were uh you know we were coming to a specific church having been in several of them and and uh you know my wife had said something about well i hope you know, I hope the Lord gives us an easy one tonight. <laughs> and uh, we uh, we were staying with this this couple. The wife was a fairly new believer, and her husband was not yet a believer. Um, he actually wasn't off work at that point, but she had us for dinner. Invited another lady from their church over, and and. Uh, and treated us wonderfully. And we went to the church, presented our ministry. We came home and she'd invited uh, her neighbor who lived up in an apartment upstairs and invited her neighbor to come down. And uh, um, <laughs> they started asking us all kinds of questions. Now the neighbor professed to be a believer, but she was she she knew she was not walking with the Lord and had excuses for that, you know, that kind of thing. And and we were we were up we were up fairly late, you know. Uh, I guess to tell the story, I have to back up a bit. Um, for supper that evening before the, the the service, she had among other things there was sauerkraut, you know, <laughs> and. Neither my wife or I are big fans of sauerkraut. We didn't say anything. We just didn't, you know, we, we didn't take any of the sauerkraut. We took the other things. And conversation is going on through the right. meal, and nobody says anything about that, you know. So um, we think, okay, not a big deal, you know. So several hours have gone by. You know, it's after the service. We're talking with this this lady, this fairly new believer, and with her friend who's... 
if she's a believer, she's a rebellious Christian, you know, and, and, uh, but still very much engaged in the conversation. And then this lady's unsaved husband comes in, got off work. He came in, greeted his wife, got introduced to us. The next thing he said to his wife was, did they take the sauerkraut? <laughs> and she said, nope, neither one of them touched it. <laughs> so uh, busted, you know, <laughs> we thought we'd escape notice. <laughs> but we had a, we had a, you know, really good conversation with him. We talked about that afterwards, you know, and said, that's not at all what we would have chosen. You know, we, some place where after the service, you go back home, you can go to your room and just, Go to sleep, you recuperate. know. Yeah, recuperate. <laughs> and uh, and it, and yet there was a lot of ministry that that happened after that after the service where we presented and and you know we were uh, asked questions we'd not been asked dealing with you know situations that we hadn't really thought about mm-hmm. and you know we looked at that and wow what an education you know mm-hmm. so it's on the job training it is you know. Um, and uh, so we, you know, we trust that the Lord used us in the lives of other people, but we know he used them in our lives for sure. Right. You know, so, um, so yeah, it was, we saw the value of that. In addition, you know, we, we weren't, I don't think we were focused on the, on the financial support gained through it, mm-hmm. uh, but really the, the, uh, the education, the experience gained was, yeah. We stayed in one home uh, where, you know, they had a couple of teenage children, but we got to, you know, to know them and that was fun. And it continues to be a joy because one of those teenage kids in that home was your wife. Uh, that's how we met Susan was. Wow, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, yeah, she was, uh, she was a high school student. We first met her and then some years down the road, uh, then we were able to host you and Susan in our home as you were on pre-field ministry. So. Well, I know Susan has shared that having missionaries in their home is a big part of why when she was 13, she surrendered her life. Mm-hmm. So she didn't wait till she was as old as I was. <laughs> yeah. But she, she did early, but she yeah. had that example of, of having people in the home. So. Yeah. That's, uh, it's an important part of preparation for missionaries, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. So then where, once you finished, then where did you go? Our first ministry was a church plant in progress in the Upper Peninsula. We didn't start it. They'd had several uh, CBM missionaries, Continental Baptist Missions missionaries. There was already good leadership mm-hmm. in the, in the uh, church body itself. And uh, so that was, that was yet... You know, that really was the next phase of, of education for us. I'm very thankful that um, we didn't step into a from-scratch church plant mm-hmm. situation. 28 years old, we thought the experiences we'd had up to that point were ones that had prepared us well. Um, but uh, I'm thankful that that our first ministry was not a you know, from scratch. Uh, we were at that ministry for about six and a half years. And then as we felt our, our time there was coming to a, uh, a close, we were uh, challenged to consider uh, planting a church in Sioux City, Iowa. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a from scratch church plant. And, and I think that 
that's possibly where, is that the first that you and I met? I think so. Uh, I think okay. you had a, a storefront. We did, building. yeah. Um, yeah. Was that the first place that you had, or did you started some? Well, well, we it started in our home. You know, it's a Bible study with our family of four, my wife and I, and our two kids, and and then two uh, other adults in the in the city had learned that we were coming to plant a church, and so they were a part of that group. So it started as a, uh, just a small group Bible study in our home. We met in a, a community center for a time, and then we then we. Uh, uh, located that storefront that you're referring to, and that was our meeting place for about eight years until we were able to purchase property and build a, a building of our own. Right. So, so we have uh, another few minutes. I I'm kind of curious. So I've been doing church planning in Japan, mm-hmm. and I know it's there are similarities mm-hmm. <laughs> to doing it in the states, but a lot of differences. Mm-hmm. But as you have have had the different experiences, both starting back even in mm-hmm. just out of college, um, helping in one. What are the keys for a new church getting started that really help them to start well? Mm-hmm. Um, well, again, it's it's a it's a learning and growing process. You know, when we were preparing to start that from scratch church plant, we um, we said to people. You know, we declared that we wanted this church plant to grow largely through evangelism and discipleship. Mm-hmm. That was our stated intention. Didn't necessarily know how to do that, you know. Um, you know, frankly, you know, my generation, we uh, we are very program centered. You know, that's kind of how you do it. You know, you start programs and try to get people to come to those programs. Um, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't necessarily, we didn't follow that model though. That's, you know, I have to acknowledge that's, you know, my background in thinking, you know, kind of thing, but we starting as we did, there's no way we could start a bunch of, you know, programs kind of thing. And what we, what we discovered along the way was, um, people that we that we met through whatever means that we met them every person that we met and you know that was interested in coming to our our group you know uh, our studies they had a, a network or a web of of relations their family members their neighbors their co-workers mm-hmm. and that's where we saw God bring fruit was through that mm-hmm. uh, Kind of the intentional disciple making was still taking shape in my mind. Um, there's one experience that really stands out, you know, to me. Um, we'd had a young couple that were um, involved in significant ways in the ministry, and their their job was going to be taking them out of the area, and we knew it was coming. And so we knew there's there's some holes we're going to have to fill. Mm-hmm. And who are we going to get to do that? You know, so I started working down through the list. And, it you know, it's a church plant. It's a very short list. Right. You know, not a lot of people. But as I thought through the different ones in our, our little group, uh, I thought, well, could this couple step in and take over those responsibilities? No, not, I don't think they're ready yet, mm-hmm. you know. Well, what about this couple? 
I don't think they're ready yet. And so I heard myself giving this answer, you know, not yet, not yet. So I thought, okay, I say not yet, but specifically, what don't they have Mm -hmm. that they need to have in order to be able to serve in that way? And I really wasn't thinking in terms of specifics. It's just kind of this vague, yeah, I don't think they're ready yet. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, so specifically, what do they lack? And then the next question was even more convicting, and that was, what am I doing to provide that Mm -hmm. for them, to equip them with that? Because I'm pretty sure Ephesians 4 says something about that being my responsibility, you know, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So that's when we realized, okay, we need to be intentional. That means we need to know specifically, here are the things we want to, we need to build into people's lives. Mm-hmm. And then we need to kind of, to, to be ministering in a way that we're, that's what we're doing. You know, it's equipping right. people for the work of the ministry. We had, we had some help at that point, some things that, uh, opportunity that came up that uh, helped us think through how to do that. Mm -hmm. But I look back on that as that was really um, Mm -hmm. a key thing. And and, and so this is a a long way of coming around to answer your question. But I, you know, we came to realize the ministry needs to be based on relationships, not programs. Right. We need to be, and a a church plant can do that better, frankly, than a a really big, Mm -hmm. uh, really big church. Now I've heard that a, uh, what do you call it, traditional church or legacy church, uh, an existing church, it takes around a hun- close to 100 people, I think 90-something people, to see one person saved. So for every every year, mm-hmm. you have 90 people, you expect to see one person yeah. saved. If you have 200 people, maybe two people saved. Mm-hmm. But for a, a church plant, I want to say it was like six people for every six people in the church. Uh, because a, a church plant is much, partly it's the intentionality. Yeah. And a church plant recognizes, hey, we better be reaching out or we, we got yeah. nothing. Yeah. And I think people get comfortable in a, mm-hmm. a church they've been in for 20 years mm-hmm. and they, they don't really think about their relationships anymore. Where yeah. the church is thinking, who do I know? Yeah. Uh, who can I invite? Yeah. And I think that being intentional yeah. and then following that web of relationships yeah. is yeah. something that we should never get away from, but for some reason we, we do. do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as I think back on that, you, there, there was an intentionality. Um, there, was a, there was a desire on the part of the people that God brought to us, you know, that, and, and some of them came to faith in Christ through the ministry of the church plant. Several had been saved through you know, prior to that, mm-hmm. but but kind of languishing, you know, not growing, and uh, but in in with both types of people, um, they were eager, you know, they were talking to their family members, they were talking to their coworkers, their neighbors, and and I don't recall that for any of us, you know, it. W- None of it would have been driven, financially driven, like, oh, we got to reach more people. We can't pay the bills, you know. Um, but it was just, yeah, it was just the, kind of the heartbeat, mm-hmm. you know, of that. And, and uh, yeah, it, it, you know, we, it, during, during that phase of the church plant, uh, m- the majority of the people that we, we had as part of our group, it was their first experience in a Bible-believing church of any kind. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, that's our really 
that's a, it's a it's a great thing to get to work with people like that. Mm-hmm. There's there's some challenges that come with that, right. you know, and there's work, but uh, yeah, it's it, the uh, there's a, there is a uh, there's a vitality there that's uh, fresh and yeah. Right. yeah. So one question that I think a lot of listeners would be uh, curious about that goes along with a lot of things I talk mm-hmm. about regularly. So you have these new people coming in the church, mm-hmm. and they don't have a church background, mm-hmm. but they maybe they get saved and they see a need to grow. Mm-hmm. So how did you, whether you personally or you as a church, yeah. how did you um, set them up to grow? How did you mm-hmm. uh, help them develop new habits? And mm-hmm. what did you tell those new believers to help them make those yeah. first steps? Yeah. Well, um, that's also another example of, of having to, to learn and grow. Um, I put together... Uh, a series of very simple little Bible studies. Mm-hmm. We would call them discipleship studies. Mm-hmm. Uh, thinking, okay, here are the things that this person needs to have, you know, as a new believer. Um, and so we'd walk them through, you know, initially it was like eight studies we go through. And then, of course, you think, oh yeah, we need to add this, and we because they need to know, you know, this. You realize you just you need to keep adding, and uh, um, then also realizing too that filling in the blanks on a little Bible study leaflet, you know, going through the study, etc. They've done the study, but it doesn't mean they've built the habit into their life, you know. So we learned, you know, life on life is it's uh, uh, a key. You know, to that, and we 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 worked with people in. Uh, we were attempting to work with them in intentional disciple making small groups. You know, uh, where they would build relationships with each other. You know, and and then uh, addressing the the specific things in the Christian life. My thinking, you know prior to that and kind of going into that was that with a new Christian, okay, after they profess faith in Christ, there are these things they need to learn, these six or eight basic things they need to learn. And once you walk them through that, then you can pronounce them to have been discipled and now they're normal Christians, you know. And we realized, no, it discipleship isn't something that gets done in eight weeks mm-hmm. it's it's a lifetime yeah. i think that's something a lot of churches make that mistake where they we have an eight-week disciple our 12-week discipleship mm-hmm. course mm-hmm. and that's what we do for discipleship mm-hmm. it's like, what about the rest of their life <laughs> yeah 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 we you know coming to understand it's a lifelong you know it's a lifelong thing because um, there's always more we need to learn and then there's some things we when I say learn, I don't mean just information that we gain. Yeah, but, learn to you know, apply. Yeah, learn to apply. Things we, we, we've learned to apply and yet the application sometimes falls off, you know, or, or needs to be adjusted and fixed in some way and that's that's true for me. Yeah. You know. Um so yeah, you never get away from needing other believers, and that, mm-hmm. that's part of where the family comes back in. The the accountability and walking together. Yeah. You don't ever leave that. Even as you know, a missionary or a pastor who's been a pastor for a long time, you still need that other pastors, other people mm-hmm. who are mature who you can walk with. So yeah, 
yeah. need to keep in mind. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Yeah, you're uh, very I look welcome. forward to talking to you again down the road, maybe okay. more about disciple making and okay. discipleship and some okay. of those lessons that you've learned. Yeah. So uh, thank you so much for joining today. Well, thank you. Thank you, Norman. It's been great to have this talk with you.